Nirvana, also a big hit off for the Gen Xs, apparently so. They told me to dress like this. Um, to be honest, being a Gen Xer, I never wore this clothing. But I'm here today. You do what you need to do to represent the generation. So here I am um, in my flannels. Actually, Jeff's, I asked my husband, like, just pull out whatever flannels you've got and I'll choose something. Um, but anyhow, it is great to be here. My name's Michelle, if we haven't met before. And um, first up, whilst we've been enjoying these what's on communications, they've been so entertaining at times, a moment ago I almost forgot to come up here, that we forget and miss actually the communication of what's happening. So it's a bit of a test for you to see how you've gone today. Where are we next week? At what time? Come on, uh, you're a smart bunch and you have been paying attention. I get lost in all the oh, ET and all these fun things and don't actually listen to what's going on, but not you lot. You lot get it, it's great. Um, but this morning as we do um, open up to the best generation, you leave the best for last, Gen Xers, who, who, who am I talking to? Come on, Brad Lewin. Oh, there's quite a few of us, this is great. Um, they've all also rallied around this long weekend to be here, this is great. So when we are talking about this Gen X generation, we are talking about everyone who is born, now there are variations off the, the cutoffs and the time. Um, by the way, if you're new here this morning, this isn't my normal attire, um, and we are in this series, as Pastor Ryan mentioned earlier, that wisdom of ages and th that throwback of songs, and we've just had lots of fun capturing this idea that every generation has these unique differences and what we as a church and as a body of believers can learn and, and glean from that and adapt for our own lives as well. So as a part of that, uh, Gen X, we're finishing it up and actually next week, as we talk about all in um, service, um, Pastor Dean's going to bring bring that to a close with giving a snapshot and an overview of all the generations and as a part of that, after the service, it is party time and also capturing the fun of all the generations after the service as well. So be there. Um, it will be great to have everyone across. This morning, as um, we do talk about Generation X, um, we are talking about everyone born between 1965 and 1980. So that's that generation sort of uh, snippet of ages, 39 to 54 is the age bracket where we're looking at. And this generation is known, and I wonder if you know that this term, latchkey kid. Who knows this? Yes, you know this. And so what that is for everyone else around that's like, what is that? Um, this is a bit of a, a defining thing for um, Generation X. We are grown up um, coming home from school to an empty house. There is no parental supervision necessarily there. Um, we are kids that after school and going to school, making our way home from school, often was dependent on ourselves, getting ourselves there and coming back. Um, after school time, this was definitely the case for my household, um, that, you know, we had this afternoon to, you know, sort out what we ate afterwards, sort out our um, homework situation. We which was an advantage for me. Um, none got done. Um, not a lot got done. Um, so there was this generation um, for Generation X where what we grew up with were parents that were off to work, um, doing things, working hard, and our generation experienced that as kids that were um, defined by coming home to not necessarily home, so helicopter parenting wasn't the case at all. A helicopter had flown away somewhere. Um, but <laughs> with this generation, uh, we grew up with a smaller world. 
So there was no internet, there was no connectedness. Our world was quite small in terms of, of how we grew up, who we were connected with, how we went about things. Also, there was no hand sanitizer. So what we did was we got out, we got dirty, we played all day long. The biggest rule was come home before dark and then, <laughs> got some laughter over here, and then you clean up and you get, you get ready. And as a generation, we were good, where there was a problem, we were able to solve it. And we're going to look at this song here that captures that as I Size Baby, where there was a problem. They captured that in the words. A generation that would spend a lot of time solving the Rubik's Cube as opposed to doing homework. Um, I believe Tyson, where's Tyson? Where is Tyson? Oh, he's, uh, you've solved it, right? And there's a formula, you've worked it out from what I believe. Yeah, he's, he's got it all sorted. Um, but we've spent a lot of time, the Rubik's Cube, trying to solve that thing as opposed to doing our homework. We were a resourceful generation. Cassette tapes, where you had to fast forward it, we'd get a pencil out and we'd turn that jolly thing to make it go faster than our tape decks. We got it worked out. It was the time where um, you'd have like soda bottles, your Coke, your Fanta, your lemonade, and you could get 10 cents um, if you returned those things to the local deli. Oh, 20 cents for you. You're a little bit younger than me. Maybe it went up. Oh, was it 20? Maybe it was 20. Um, and so I remember with my trolley and you'd get the milk crate, you'd go down the street, knock on everyone's door. Have you got any bottles? Um, recycling at heart really is what our generation is. Uh, more so trying to get some money. Um, we would go down there. Shops weren't open on Saturday and Sunday necessarily. Um, and it created just a smaller world for us. A fun world, we'd go out exploring, I'd be in all sorts of mud pits and getting dirty and all sorts of stuff. But there was a generation where we grew up where, you know, parenting wasn't necessarily, we didn't come home to that thing. But also what defined us, we're going to look at some slides here, Whitney Houston... Now, that was my deal. That was my deal, Whitney Houston. I remember convincing my dad it was a great idea to take me to the Perth Entertainment Centre at 3 a.m. to line up for tickets. There was no online buying your tickets at the time. I was camped out there. It was freezing cold. I may have called my, Shant my daughter Chantel Whitney Gomans. That's her name. Um, that's how much I love Whitney. Nirvana. I'm re representing Nirvana. Um, this is the get-up, I believe. Um, great songs, I believe. Not my thing, but... Maybe others. Um, technology of the time was a VCR. Remember, you had to pull the tab out so no one would record over your favourite show. Um, if they did, there was big trouble in the house. Um, also, the Walkman. What I remember, actually, there's not a picture of that yet, but the remember of the Walkman was, remember when they brought out the anti-shock Walkman? So, yeah, I got that. So then when you walked, the, the music wouldn't stop. It was like, it was greatest technology out at the time you can walk along and because if the other Walkmans you walk along it stops every three seconds it's terrible technology but anyhow TV back in the day E.T. actually was my first movie I went to the cinemas to watch that was a great movie we got back to the future and who remembers hey hey it's Saturday yeah <laughs> pluck a duck there he is <laughs> it was great also apparently Gen X's we um, made um, piercings cool. I'm not sure. This is just the stats, but apparently we did. But who remembers a hyper-colour T-shirt? 
Yeah, <laughs> hypercolour, that, what that is for everyone else is these sort of like fluoro-y sort of colours. But as your body heated up, the shirt changed colour. So if you had sweaty armpits, if I was wearing that today, it wouldn't be a great look. It'd be like all sweat hanging here, the changes. But anyhow, they were fun things. I, was, I have got, I used to have one of those things, I don't know where it is. So yeah, some of the key events for us, um, Gen X's, was Halley's Comet in 1986. And a big part of um, that latchkey kid was the financial crash in 1987, where today we're experiencing interest rates of, what, around 4 5%. It went, skyrocketed to 17%. So can you imagine that, homeowners out there, with <laughs> an interest rate of 17%. So they, our mums um, would have felt the brunt of that causing our parents to both be working. Berlin Wall came down. Um, this happened all through our generation. And also with Gen X, what we grew up with was adapting to technology. I remember um, going to work. I worked at Otis Elevator Company um, doing payroll at the time. And Bob Cummins, who comes here actually, he was one of the employers. He was a technician. And so I'd pay all these service guys um, their payroll and whatnot. Then I went on maternity leave. Um, in 1996, had my first child, and I came back to a different way of operating. It was now email was in place, and so no more. I'd get up and go and talk to the sales guys and all this. They're like, no, 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 Michelle, you email us. I'm like, what? Um, actually, it was really funny uh, story what we did have. Um, me and one of the girls next door, we thought, no one's talking. So we took it upon ourselves, very resourceful. We took out the partitions um, in between so we could talk to one another. State manager wasn't as friendly towards that idea as we were. So next day, back up again. Um, but there was this changing and constant changing technology that we, we, we adapted to. The dial-up internet, the screeching, horrible sound of that, um, telling the person to get off the phone so you can use the internet, all that fun stuff was that Generation X had adapted to. And where they are today, what we see is our first Gen X Prime Minister of Australia. So Scott Morrison now leading the country, um, being a Gen Xer. So there we go, we got him to... So before that, there was four boomers and builders as well leading that. So we got our first Gen X in there as they're taking lead of our country. But for us this morning and how we, we can all understand and take something away from Gen Xs is that what Gen X had and what they were about and what they are about is that they rise up with a voice that is prepared to question traditions be able to question authorities and status quo when they saw something they perceived was broken or need to be fixed, that they weren't going to stand by and let that thing be broken or let that injustice happen, that they stood up and they used their voice to be able to make a difference in those places. So for this morning, as um, we discover what that looks like for each and every one of us, what is the power in the voice that for each one of us has that as we go about um, walking, following God and the things that we see, that we don't necessarily just keep on walking and ignore it, but actually what is it that is within us? The voice that we have 
the, um, the things that we're about as Christ followers that can make a difference to this place and make it a better place for each one of us. So that's what we're going to open up this morning. And a bit of a story, we're going to look at a story um, in the Old Testament, the story of Esther. And we see, um, it's a very um, popular, very well-known verse where we see for such a time as this is where um, Esther comes to this place. Of the choice of will she speak up for all the Jews, or will she not? And for the backdrop of that story is that um, at that time, the king had had enough of Queen Vashti, and so he dethrones her, and then he does a call out to um, bring all these beautiful young girls in front of him, and they all come together, and he's looking for um, the next queen. Who could that be? And so as he's doing that, being Esther in the royal palace, she's amongst all these women. What we see with the character of Esther is that while she's in that place, while she's um, a part of that royal palace, that her character of who she was, how she held herself, there was beauty there that stood out, but there was a beauty beyond just her physical. There was a character that represented something different that allowed her to be seen that we see this that soon after, um, obviously Esther becomes queen and we pick it up that in this place that Mordecai, her cousin, has reared her, has helped her um, with her growing up and gives her these wise words to say that as you go in as queen, don't let anyone know that you're a Jew. Don't let anyone know of that. Just keep it silent, keep it to yourself. Um, just don't share that around which um, does make for a very powerful moment where a time comes where Esther is able to be a voice for the Jews and that was helpful to not have that known to um, everyone around her. So over here we're going to pick it up in Esther 4 verses 12 to 16. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Over here we see that now Esther has been put into this position. She has now become queen. She is now in this position of what will she do where she is placed? Where will she, what will she, will she speak up? Will she know? Will she not? She had the choice to, but she was in this position to make a difference for all the Jews at the time. And that famous line, if you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Um, Harry Belafonte is an American songwriter, artist. He, he did some movies, a long list of achievements, Grammy Awards. He used his position of influence over here to benefit others. He was, uh, whilst he was creative, whilst he was gifted in the music industry, 
what was at the core of who he was is that I want to make a difference for those that have no voice. I want to make a difference for those that are in Africa, that are starving, that are in need, that need food, that I want to make a difference for them. So Harry Belafonte in 1985, he used his position, having friends like Michael Jackson and so on, influential people, songwriters and artists, to pull together this super group that would make up um, some of the artists in there were Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers, Tina Turner, Cindy Lauper, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen and many, many more. And he pulls this together to release this single that will hit and break every chart record of its time. This single that topped music charts throughout the world and became the fastest selling single in history. The single sold more than 20 million copies, one of only 30 singles that have, um, that have sold more than 10 million copies of its time. The first ever to be certified as a multi-platinum, won numerous awards, Grammy Awards, American Music Awards, People Choice Awards. And as a result of this group coming together, they were able to raise $63 million in 1985. The equivalent for that for us today is $144 million. Who knows what the song is? We are the world. You people are onto it. Um, let's have a little listen to this song if you don't know it. great song right a band of people coming together to use their influence use their position to make a difference for others so we see here in Esther that she was positioned in this royal palace that she would make a difference we see Harry Belafonte who is positioned with great friends like Michael Jackson um, wish I had a couple um, that could make a difference but for us here today sitting here what is it that we can do to make a difference? Where are we positioned that we can make a difference? And as we do that, I love to read out a scripture from Romans to, to know where we are positioned. That in Romans 8, 17, it says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That, that understanding that for each one of us sitting here today, that realisation that Christ is with us and that we are co-heirs with Christ needs to sink down deep within us. I, know, I don't know about you, but for myself and my, my um, journey of faith and growing in who I am, often when I think back, I see this picture of head slumped down and sort of slouched down and thinking all inwardly of who I am. But the realisation, the knowledge of Christ Jesus who is in me, 
makes a difference in my perspective. That that Christ Jesus who is in me, that I am co-heirs with Christ, that he has defeated the grave, that he has conquered death itself, that he can do immeasurably be more than what I could hope or imagine. That is in me. So when I look at myself and where I'm positioned, I am positioned not with what Michelle is limited with, but in fact that Christ, the co-heir of Christ, that I am, that he is living in me, that is through that avenue that I see things a whole lot different. That where I am positioned, that it's not limited by what I can do, but what Christ can do through me. That as we are positioned here today, as we're positioned on a Monday morning, do we see it that, oh yeah, I'm just going about my day and this is what I'm good at, so I'm going to do that. Or are we positioned from a place of knowing that it is Christ, power, authority working in us and through us that we would make a difference for, for Christ in, in this world? That we are positioned in the places that we find ourselves throughout our week, knowing that Christ will do something through us. Do we have that perspective in our lives? Because often we go into go out of these doors and we actually forget it. We actually forget that actually tomorrow and the next day and the next day, nothing changes. That Christ is within us. And where he's positioned us, you may not have best friends with Michael Jackson, but the person next door needs you to show up and be positioned in a way that I can't be positioned. That for each one of us, the position of where Christ has placed us, he has placed us to make a difference, to make the world a better place, to be able to be the voice for those in those spaces. That for each one of us, that we show up wholeheartedly in those places where we have been placed, if it's in your home, if it's in your work, if it's in your school, that we are positioned and to know that God has positioned us for such a time as this. That God has positioned you for such a time as this that that doesn't change and to let that sink down a bit it may not seem like a great place where you want to be but I'm sure Esther was thinking the same (laughs) that what does it look like for each one of us to be positioned and to know that God is going to use us and he needs to do something through us to make this world a better place Um, just a side note I was positioned in the cafe today and lovely Roger comes along I was positioned in the right place, comes along and goes, I'll buy you a coffee. I'm like, yes, you will. This is awesome. Um, in this positioning, it can be of the smallest things that make an impact in someone else's life. It can be when you line up out there or when you're in another cafe and some random's there and you buy them a coffee. We make a difference of where we're at. And to know that, you know, I looked over this morning and saw Jackie Knight in the midst of us. I'm like, yes, this is going to be an awesome morning. Because you know what? She shows up and she wholeheartedly and doesn't hold back from worshipping God. And do you know what? When she's not here, I feel it. I know it and I sense it. Because where she is positioned on a Sunday is like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to reserve my worship. I'm wholeheartedly going to give to God what I have in me. And with each one of us, when we're positioned in this place, are we coming wholeheartedly to worship God or to worry about what others are thinking? That we come and we are positioned, we go out and we are positioned that God would want to do something through you and through me. That we need to realise that it's not just for the person next door to you, but that God wants to do something through your life to have an impact in your world, that you would make it a better place for others.
so often we can drift through life. And what I love about that Rhythm and Flow book, it brings intentionality about our lives, about what the outcomes of our lives are. And if you haven't got a copy, go buy a copy. That for each one of us, we can go throughout this year just drifting and just going about life or we can get a little bit more intentional about our lives, get a little bit more intentional about what we want our lives to be. And in that space, as we show up on a Monday, intentionally knowing that I am positioned here to make this place a better place. I am positioned in my work to make my work a better place. When people are going to grumble and complain and carry on, I am going to change the conversation. I am going to make it a better place. How does that look for each one of us? And our position brings opportunity to use our voice. So how are we sounding? For Gen X, um, we've got the raw end of the stick, I must say, in some ways. They often call us the... Um, the middle child, the forgotten middle child. Um, so with the boomers and the youth and the Gen Z, we heard that um, a few weeks ago about how many there are of them. And they suck out all the oxygen in the place that the Gen Xers were forgotten again. But as using that in a way that, do you know what Gen X do? I've got three children. The middle one can be quite vocal. Um, that what the middle child brings... And the strength of being that middle child is not that we are forgotten, but we do raise our voice when we see an injustice. And we do speak out and we bring change to the places where we go to. So we can turn around that forgotten middle child to something positive. That we are authentic in these places. And what we know is true in our lives, we want to make a difference in those around us. That, that authenticity that we bring to places is a good and valuable thing. In Esther 7 verse 3, Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favour with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people, this is my request. For I and my people have been sold to, de to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Over here, we see Esther now rises. That knowing that her life is at stake here if she's going to speak up and speak up for those that are voiceless in that spot, for all the Jews, that she comes and she enters the presence of the king, breaking the law, um, her life at risk, and she goes, no matter what, and to know this, that when she speaks and when she's in that place, it is never about Esther. All that's at stake for her is everything going wrong. But despite that, she uses her voice to save the many. She uses her voice that she would put herself on the line to be able to save others. That for each one of us, that as our voices are being heard, as our voices are, are, are speaking out, to hear the sound of actually what is that sounding like? Is that sound all about edifying and lifting up myself and how I feel? Or is my voice about helping and empowering and changing the lives around us? 
Is it inward focused or is it outward focused? Am I speaking things that it's all about me and my comfort or is it speaking to be able to make a change and benefit others around me? Over here, Queen Esther, she stood in front of the king knowing that she is going to risk it all to be able to save those around her. Harry Belafonte, that he was no gain to him to rally this super pop group. There was no gain to any of those artists. But they said, regardless of that, we are going to use our voices to make a better place for these people that have no voice, for these people that have no food, for the people that cannot help themselves in this situation. And we are going to use what we have got. We are going to use our influence. We're going to use our position to make a difference for them. It was not about them. It was never about them. It was for others. So where we are positioned, where we use our voice, where we see our lives at play and at work in our daily lives, is that voice, is the sound of what we're speaking about making ourselves look great? Or is it about empowering and helping others? Is it about helping those around us to make a difference and make a better place for those? Um, Maybe some of us... Our voices are a little bit meek. And when I was preparing this morning, this week, and um, thinking about this idea, and I was thinking about a meek mum, and the thought if anyone dared come up against their child, that voice would rise up, right? There is no way in the world that meek mum is going to stay meek. That if anyone comes up against their children, they're going to defend that child. That for each one of us, and dad, mum or dad, um, But for each one of us, what does it look like in us? What is the the rallying cries of who we are? Authentic, very different for what will rise up in me to what will rise up in you. And the, the things that we are seeing are different according to where we are positioned. That would cause us to rise up and use our voice to make a difference. That over here we see that Esther stood before the king. But then what we also see could have been the other option. Was Esther loving life in the royal palace? I can picture, you know, she being fed grapes, could be very wrong, Um, in the royal place where no one knew she was a Jew, no one knew what she was about. She was silent in there, she could have kept under the radar, she could have enjoyed all the luxuries and all the comfort of the royal palace. And I think for us today, that idea of staying comfortable is one that we need to work through. That as we are positioned in places and as we um, are seeing situations, as we're hearing gossip, as we're hearing complaining, is there something in us, confrontation, no one loves it, but it can be the most valuable thing that we own and be able to work through. That can we get out of our comfort zone enough to make a difference and change the language, to change the situation, to be able to speak up in that space. That for each one of us, we got to push through sometimes that comfort to be able to be that voice, to be able to be the difference in the place that we're placed. What we see here as Gen Xers, we also came up with this concept It's a great concept. I live my life by it. True Gen Xer is this work hard, play hard attitude. Any other Gen Xers own this? 
work hard, play hard. This idea that as um, parents of Gen Xs, we would have seen our parents being working for life, working to live, working to for all they do. They all they do is work, work, work to be able to provide for their families. And then the Gen Xs come in and it's like, no way. We want to have a bit of balance in our life. We want to go from you know, let's work hard, but let's play hard. This is what I live by: work hard, go hard, but then play hard also. But as we see that and the context of where we are positioned and the context of us as believers, that as we are positioned, be it in work mode or play mode, nothing changes us in who we are. We don't switch off because we're on play mode that we don't follow Christ anymore. We don't switch off when we walk out of the doors of a Sunday church to say, oh no, um, that was my church gathering and that's it for me for the week. But each and every place of where we are positioned is that Christ wants to do something through our lives. Christ has positioned us and he chooses to use you and use me to make this world a better place, to be able to share the love and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in each one of us, there is no switching at any time to go oh, to work mode, I'm in this zone, or I'm in the zone on Sunday, I'm at church on a Sunday, that's great, and then I switch off on a Monday. But in fact, for each one of us, that we are called to be able to proclaim the gospel of the good news, that we are to live out that gospel of good news to everyone around us, and that for each one of us, we have an opportunity throughout our week we gather here, but we go out to places that can spread that good news. And all that to say that you might be here and you love the fact that we get to use our voice and rally our voice and be able to share those, those differences with people. I'm not talking about arguing, carrying on and, and causing trouble. Hear me when I say that. It's about making the world a better place. It's about bringing the love and the joy and the grace and the hope to our communities. And that for each one of us, we get opportunity to do that for where we are positioned in. Esther lived in this royal palace prior to that being the queen, that she lived in this royal palace and her character was seen. Her character was noticed. How she lived her life, how she walked, there was beauty there obviously with her. But she was identified with this great character. And Esther's actions spoke louder than her words. She didn't necessarily have a voice at that stage to go and speak to the queen, but she was just in the palace living life out. But there was something that people recognised in her and saw in her with her character of how she held herself, how she spoke, how she lived. And I wonder that in this place, and maybe you are that vocal voice person, and as I was preparing this, this idea that maybe our loudest words don't utter a word. Maybe our loudest voice doesn't utter a word. What we do, how we act, how we hold ourselves, the love that we give, the coffee that we buy, the meals that we make, maybe those words are going to be the loudest words that you ever utter without sounding or making a sound. That for each one of us where we are positioned, the voice that we use, it might be in our lives that we need to raise our voice at times. Not shouting, raise our voice, but just speak. Or maybe there are times where actually no words are required and you just got to love those people around you. Even when they're being horrible, <laughs> we are called to love. That for each one of us, what does that look like? To be able to love those around us. And as I wrap up, I'll invite the band back up.
So where is your voice being heard? For every one of us, our weeks look completely different. You might be at home with little kids at your feet and you might be leading organisations. But for each and every one of us, we are positioned to make this world a better place. How are we sounding? Are we speaking up when we need to? Are we changing conversations and complaining to positive and empowering things? How are we positioned to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ to our world? And so as we wrap up, I would love to pray for us. We're going to sing in a moment, Power of Your Love. And the reality is Christ followers, that He calls us to share the gospel of love, share the gospel of Christ to our world around us. And sometimes it's how we live our life that people notice, wow, something different in her. There's something different in them. What is that? And then you have opportunity to speak. So I'd like for us to stand on our feet and I'm gonna pray for, for us that as we are positioned throughout our week, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would be the, the love of Christ to those around us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that the power of your love that we have experienced, the power of your grace, the power of your mercy that we know every day, that Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and reveal a little bit more of that to us. Lord God, the power of your love that breaks some of those things in our lives, Lord God. The power of your love that washes over every mistake. The power of your grace and mercy, Lord God, that we wake up to every morning. Holy Spirit, may we know that we are positioned to be a voice for you, Jesus. That we would know that we are to make this place a better place as a result of Christ living in us, co-heirs with Christ, followers of you, Jesus. May your love be evident in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, team.